there. I'm Annette of Arab Africa Coaching and you are listening to Coffee and Stars Podcast, a platform for candid and unconventional narratives about the place of the young African woman in society. In this episode, I speak to Elinam Abla, an entrepreneur and a coach on the topic, living on purpose, women, personal convictions and leadership. Welcome Elinam to the show. How are you today? And tell us something that makes you happy. Hello, Elinam, please. Hi, hi, Annette. Hi, everyone. How are you um, today? And tell us something that makes you I happy. I am fantastic today. And laughing, well, I know, but laughing makes me happy. And so anywhere there is joy or there's like peace uh, enough for you to laugh about things, that's what makes me happy. So I'm always looking for spaces like that. So I've introduced you a bit, but can you tell our audience what you like them to know about you? Okay. Um, hi. Uh, everybody calls me Ellie, so that's the first thing. Just call me Ellie and keep it simple. And then I like I like solving things. I like creating solutions. And so obviously that means I'm looking for puzzle pieces to put together. And that's basically what I do. I'm an entrepreneur, like she mentioned earlier, and most of my entrepreneurial uh, ventures are into trading, consulting, and then of of late in the circular economy, uh, especially focused on designing for reuse and recycling. Again, it's all about this, those puzzle pieces, putting those puzzle pieces together. Um, also in uh, youth development and skills training, basically because the gap between the poor and then the middle class is so big in Ghana. It's, this is not even the poor and the rich anymore. It's just the poor and the middle class. That gap is so big. And majority of it is because of the lack of um, knowledge on the, on the available skills that need to be acquired for the kind of infrastructure development that Ghana is going through. So trying to point the youth in the right direction in terms of selecting the right careers or taking the right courses to be able to fit into the roles that are opening up because of the way the country is developing. Um, and then lastly, um, anything that has to do with plastics, getting plastics as an environment, recycling the plastic, using them properly. That's another area that I'm into with my NGO that also supports maternal health care. So in a nutshell, that is it. I'm also um, the group secretary of our family, group of businesses in different areas from logistics to trading to import and export in the petroleum sector. So yeah. That's the summary. Just, I'm curious, how did you develop all these interests, especially the aspect on recycling and solving problems, etc.? Where did they come from? Okay, so from? the problem solving, I would say that's my purpose in life because I've, it's always been with me. Um, but in terms of getting focused in that particular area, it started from my master's in the University of Bath, uh, we did a course called Innovation Management, where it teaches you how to invent things. And so what that course does is to prepare your mind to never see a problem. Anytime you see a problem, you are, basically the lecturer said, if you see the problem, it's because you know the solution. 
you know that there's a better way to be done. That's why you know it's a problem. And so because of that kind of mindset now, when I came back to Ghana, everything I saw was almost like, oh, that's a solution in the making. Oh, that's a solution in the making. And the plastics thing came up. Um, when I went to the beach one day, I, I just went to the beach with my dog and I sat down just to think. Um, and the, the, there were fishermen that were fishing. It took them over two hours. I think I was there from seven o'clock. They finished pulling in the net around 11 o'clock. And so I went there to see what, it was exciting for me. It was my first time. So I went there to see, and I would say about 70% of what came out of that net was plastic. And that was when I felt really sad. I'd always known that plastics in the environment were a problem, but that day was the day that I felt completely broken for all the hard work that these men had done to go into the sea and then fish plastics out of the ocean. That was the beginning of me trying to solve the plastics problem. Wow. Okay. So now it feels like I want to stay there a little bit. So how is it going with your initiative on the plastic? How is it going so far? What kind of um, process do you go through to try to solve this kind of problem? What is your vision? Okay. It? So to start, I'll start with the last bit, bit of your question, which is the vision. The vision is to use plastic ethically. Um, we cannot get plastics out of the environment. Like I know there are some other countries where they ban plastics altogether, but plastics are useful. Plastics makes things affordable for those who cannot afford to buy cans or even some of the papers that are in the system. So plastics are useful in a certain sense. The problem is how we design them and then how we dispose of them. Some of the plastics are designed in such a way that they cannot be recycled or reused, and that is a problem. And then some of the plastics that are designed in such a way that they deteriorate early, but they don't disintegrate. Now, that means they, they, they break apart easily, like single-use plastics, but they will not like um, decompose into the environment. They will stay in the environment in that broken apart state for a very long time, sometimes 500 years. So the beginning of it is to start shaping, start changing the mindset or bringing awareness <laughs> to... to um, making sure that people start designing plastics in a reusable, recyclable way. Um, that has actually been done. Ghana has a national action on plastics platform. So we are on that platform and we are working on it. We've done um, buyback campaigns where we go to the community and teach them that you can get money from plastics. So we go to the community and then we buy back the plastics after we've done a campaign on what plastics can do in your environment. And then also apart from up and then on top of that, we've gone to the beaches, we've done like beach cleanups. And then once we've done the cleanup, we teach them how to dispose of the organic waste. They can bury that. And then the plastic waste, they can segregate that into our plastic uh, waste cages. We give them cages so that they put it in the cages. And when it's full, we come and pick it up and send it to a plastic uh, recycler. So that's what we're doing. Great work. Uh, if we stay there, we are going to see quite a bit. But I want us to stay on the topic right. for today, which is living on purpose, women, personal convictions, and leadership. I want to find out from you who have been your role models, who are the people who have influenced you in some way. The person my other. grandmother, my paternal grandmother, uh, off the jump, she's the one that has... Um, been my role model later in life though because i learned about her entrepreneurial bit later in life but in the beginning um jesus christ if <laughs> if anybody could understand that uh, i was I, I became christian very early thanks to 
Pastor Ajinasari, um, I don't know his rank now, so forgive me, but Ajinasari GT, uh, TV3, you know, the crusades that he used to do, so that's when I became Christian. And the Bible was my guide. I did everything because I was supposed to do it as a Christian, and it really, really helped me to be compassionate. And that compassion is one of the things that has le- led me to where I am today. Compassion and duty. Uh, the Bible also teaches you about duty, doing what is necessary. It might not be what you love, but it is what is necessary for the good of all. And so those two things, uh, I'll say Jesus Christ from the beginning, but then later on in life, when I started learning about other people who are doing great things, that's when I began to see myself in them, particularly my grandmother, my father's mother, and then Oprah Winfrey. Those two have really been shining lights um, for me. That's a commonality because I also find the work of Oprah and all that she has been able to do and everything Mm -hmm. that she embodies Mm -hmm. as very inspirational and it it has a lot to say for the black women and what is possible, etc. I want to ask you, what has been a defining moment of your life? What point um, made a big change in your life? There's so many of them. <laughs> um, I would say I'm probably on Elinam 4.0 by now. Uh, <laughs> there have been so ter- so many turnarounds in my life. Defining moment. The first one would be in Jesus. Um, growing up, but I grew up in a home where they say like children should be heard, not children should be seen, not heard. You know that kind of that that home, right? Like, my mom was very uh, humble yourself kind of mom. She did, she was doing it for us in the best interest. We are ever people, but she did not know that it was also a way of silencing the voice. That kind of upbringing, I don't like it. Right now, I speak against it a lot, but at the time, that was what was good. Mm-hmm. And so, I growing up, I was very timid. I read a lot. By the time I was in class four, I'd read all the books in the school library. So that that's for that one day. I used to read a lot, and I just stayed in my corner, secluded. And then in Genesis 1, we got a new teacher, uh, Nana Kwekujiao. Always, always mention his name. He's not a pastor. Um, he came into the school and he was our English teacher and he made us write essays, right? So I wrote some essays and he was like, no, the way you write, you should speak. And he forced me into the debate club and that was the beginning of me finding my voice. So that, I think that was Elinam uh, 1.0. That was the beginning of Elinam 1.0. Because once I started speaking, I started being more active i started dancing i was doing choreographies i started acting i was taking part in school quizzes uh that that was the beginning of that's that's the first turning point uh the second one i would say was in secondary school um uh, was a big moment for me in secondary school when i decided to go for NTP. <laughs> i didn't win but i was the first runner up and just the campaigning process for becoming that was another big eye-opener for me, that that if you're quiet, nothing gets done. But if you're bold enough to start, even if you don't, like, I didn't become into P, even if you don't become the into P, you still win because you've learned a lot from that. Uh, the next one would be after my master's when I came to Ghana. We had, I had joined the family business so that I could do, like, a national service and then get it over with so I can go and do my IT thing. The family business is in petroleum, and I'm an IT person. I'm a technology person. So I was, my plan was to just do national service and go. Um, God had other plans. <laughs> when I joined the family business, the administrator had just left when I joined the family business. So I took over that role just to help them out. IT, you can do administration quite well if you're smart. So I just, just to help them shape some of their documents properly and, you know, put everything in the right place, PDF, a few things. That was my plan. 
But by the end of February of the next year, uh, we had a major audit coming up that was worth like maybe $5 million. And we had to pass that audit. And about a month to the audit, the like the operations manager of the business decides to quit and go away <laughs> and go away. And everybody tried to beg him. Everybody tried to beg him. Just wait for the audit to be done before you go. And he 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 was very obstinate and he left. Um, that, that I would say that was when I realized how strong I was. I was up. I was reading things that I don't understand, but I was making. I was doing research. I did proper research. Um, thankfully, my math, my writing our project work and thesis finally came in handy. I was able to do proper research and shape the thing. We stayed at work till like 3 a.m., my brother and I at the time. And we got it done and we won that audit and we got the, the contract. And th that showed me the importance of discipline and of breaking your back for something. I could have gone home and slept and then just said, left, left, left it to God, but I didn't. I took up the challenge and that showed me the importance of going for what you want, never giving up and being disciplined about excellence. It paid off for me. So those, I would say, are the defining moments. Apart from the fisherman thing I told you about, that, that would be the fourth one. But yeah, those are the main ones. That's really, really good. Very eye-opening. Okay, so do you think living on purpose is important? I'm just going to leave it at that. Do you think that living on purpose yes. is important? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I've had moments in my life where... Um, influenced by what other people are doing i've lost track of myself you know uh i have a purpose in this life i've found it now i'm i'm supposed to help the local person be able to have a decent living a decent living living sorry living that's my purpose in this life i found it now and there were times when i lost track of that because i was you know you know i'm doing all of this stuff and people who are doing less than me are posting on social media and they're doing this and doing that. And so now instead of focusing on all these things that I've told you that I'm doing, I started also focusing on social media and I lost track of myself. And if not for the fact that that beacon in me kept pushing me back to local solutions development, community solutions development, community solutions growth, if, if not for the fact that I had that beacon inside me that I had already started to uh, grow a little bit before these influences came, I would have completely gone off track. So if you don't have a purpose, you don't have a beacon light, you'd be like a ship in the ocean with no um, lighthouse to help you. So for me, a purpose is like a lighthouse and it really, really helps. If you take the time to de discover your purpose, it really helps you. It really, really does. So yeah, living on purpose is critical for anybody who wants to be successful in their life. Okay, so I hear something that you are saying right now that there was something that was pushing you. There was a voice yeah. you were hearing. There was an inclination in you that was telling you that this was is what passion. you need to focus yeah. on. In spite of all yeah, passion, in spite of all the yeah. distractions and all the things within yeah. your environment, I see that oftentimes, and I, this is an important point. I see that oftentimes when people they are seeing all these things they need to do or they feel not even need to they feel like they have to do or they see something flourishing in one area and they think that oh i could actually do this and they they don't know now they are at a loss of what they they want mm. to do but that voice within you that um thing that 
begs on you to actually go and follow this mm -hmm. path is how you are able to actually recognize what you are passionate yeah. about and you are able to turn it into your purpose. So it's a good thing you said that. Thank you for sharing you're that. Welcome. What are the things that motivate you to strive for excellence? <laughs> ah, number one, it's supposed to be a negative thing, but for me, I would say it's pushed me in the right direction till now. Imposter syndrome. Um, I never feel I'm good enough at any point in time. I tell myself very often so that it can sit with me. But in inside me, there's always that other boy that said, and so you did this. And so I could go and do the best thing in this world. And that voice inside me would tell me, yeah, mm, it's normal. It's okay. Everybody's doing some, you know? And so then I just have to go for more. I just have to do more. It, it, cannot, be, it, it cannot be mediocre if it's me. I cannot allow that to go out if it's me. So there's a voice in me that, like I said, it's supposed to be a bad thing. Imposter syndrome is supposed to be a bad thing because it makes you feel you're, you're not good enough. But for me, it's driven me to push, push myself until it is actually excellent, until it is near perfect before it will come out. Um, the negative side of that is that it takes me a longer time because you know, for human beings, nothing is ever perfect. So I have to work on it and then get to a point where I'm like, Elena, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And then, and then I let it go and just pray for the rest. But that's the number one. It's, it's, that, it's, it's that spirit inside that just won't let me rest. And that's been one of my motivations. The other one, I would repeat my grandmother. And the reason why I would say my grandmother is the story I heard about her, she had no formal education. So she, she didn't go to one day of school, nothing like that. But she started a sewing business and was so good at sewing that she was introduced to important people. And those important people introduced her to the wife of the managing director of Shell in Ghana at the time. This is the 1950s, right? And because of how good she was at sewing, she became friends with the woman. She delivered on quality and the woman loved her work. So then she found out what the woman's husband does but because she had been so good at what she did when she asked the woman to ask her husband to give her some fuel to sell to her fellow market women the woman didn't hesitate and the reason why i tell the story in this manner is because people think that oh yeah she was friends with this person so connections are important no she didn't get the connection because of yeah connections or somebody introduced her no she got the connection because she was good at what she did what is in your hand right now if you are good at it it will take you places and that's, that's why I keep saying, I, I tell the story in that manner that whatever you're doing at the moment, if you are excellent at it, 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 that is your lever to the next stage. But if you want to become maybe a banker and right now you find yourself as a cleaner and you clean mediocre, you're never going to get to a banker. You could be a cleaner in a bank today and because you're not cleaning well, nobody's going to recognize you. There have been cleaners in our office. In, our, in, our, in one of our family businesses, they were cleaners. But because they were so good at what they did and they were useful and they were purposeful in the business, they were valuable in the business, they got scholarships to go to school. Some of them became procurement managers. Somebody became, some of them became admin. So you have to be good at what you're doing right now. And that can push you into your next purpose because that, that excellence will shine the spotlight on you. So yeah, my grandmother is one of the ones that motivates me. The life she lived, the, the, the resilience with which she lived is one of the things that motivates me to do the things that I do. 
Sorry for preaching a bit. Well said. <laughs> no, no. And I can actually feel the passion um, through that. And you actually make a good point about act doing what you are, whatever is in your hands right now. Make sure you do it well. It is from doing that that you would be recognized. I wanted to move on from that, but I couldn't because you mentioned imposter syndrome. <laughs> now, I what I'm hearing... <laughs> So what I'm hearing you say is that you are perfectionistic. Yeah. You like to always be a perfectionist. You want things to be done well, yeah. etc. The thing with imposter syndrome is that there, there, there is something yeah. within you, maybe a lie within you that is telling you that you are yeah. not enough. Yeah, yeah. There is a lie that is making you think that you yeah, are a fraud, yeah. that people are going to find yeah. you out. Whatever you are doing, people will find you out. And I bring this up because it is something that women experience mm -hmm. a lot. Women um, often maybe don't feel adequate. And I perfectly understand where this comes from, particularly um, being uh, people who have been in a marginalized position mm -hmm over a period of time and we haven't had all our rights falling mm, to mm. etc so i i think that imposter syndrome even if like an individual you feel like um and you feel like people are going to find you out etc even when what you are doing is mm -hmm. really good i think that we shouldn't give in to yeah, those voices never. that speak to us because yeah. it's a lie we shouldn't give in to those voices and they shouldn't stop us from going to do what we really yeah. want to do because after all everybody that is doing anything started um exactly. at a point uh, from scratch or started from small yeah. beginnings and they reached where they reached if today you are seeing oprah or mm -hmm. steve harvey or maybe a president something like this a few years back they were just a beginner yep. like you and it is through continuing to strive and consistency mm -hmm that they went on to reach where they are. So I'm just saying imposter syndrome should not stop you and you are not a fraud. Everybody mm -hmm, is striving mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. like you. And if so, this mm -hmm, is for anybody mm -hmm. who is listening. Just sorry, just to add to I that. I want to ask you though. Uh -huh. The reason okay. why I said imposter syndrome is good and bad for me is the good part <laughs> for the imposter syndrome is things like things like what you just said now is the, the 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 motivation i've heard from people like you and people from other people that and, and from other books that i've read that forces me to fight that imposter syndrome with doing my very best and so that's how come it's now become a post Okay, so that is why now it has become a positive thing for you. That is what you are saying, Ellie. Hello? Hello? Yes. yes. Okay, yes. So I was saying, I was ending because we lost you. Yes, we lost you a little bit at the end. That, that is what has, the imposter syndrome has, um, has now become the force that drives you. Yes, I think that, yes, in spite of that, you shouldn't, uh, this is for anybody, the imposter syndrome should never stop you and you are fine and don't feel, yeah, so that is great. The question I was mm -hmm. going to ask you, though, was on leadership. 
and why is leadership important because a lot of the things that you have said now and even stories i didn't know um points to something about leadership so i just want you to say briefly why is leadership important and you can even say self-leadership any kind of leader <laughs> oh boy <laughs> remember when i said purpose is like the um the lighthouse that helps the ship to dock well that ship still needs a captain even if there's a lighthouse and there's no captain that's telling people where to point the the the, the sailboat or where, where to turn the rudder that ship is still going to get lost regardless of the lighthouse being there and so self-leadership is being able to leadership basically is leading a group of people towards a determined goal that's leadership and so if you have a purpose your self-leadership is leading yourself your elements your character your soul your body everything towards your purpose now leading other people for me is being able to one articulate where you're going two being able to articulate to the people why you need to go there and then three being able to determine what needs to be done and how it needs to be done to get there so for me those are the three those are the four tenets that i use when it comes to leadership when it comes to leadership there is leadership that you have authority like so it's imposed you have leadership because you have a, a position or there's leadership that is given people give you the leadership because they trust you i have both in my in my in my life i have leadership where i have a position and so people are my subordinates and so they have to follow me and if i do not play that card properly they will follow me in body and not in spirit. And then that way you have to micromanage them because as long as you're not there and they're not following you in spirit, they will never do what you want when you are not there. And then there's leadership that people trust you and then they hand over themselves to you to lead them to the right place. In all of, in both of the two circumstances, my aim is always compassion first. So, and, and it will it will shock you, but compassion doesn't mean forgiving all the time. Sometimes compassion is me telling you, listen, I have to let you go because you're not doing your best in this position. And if you stay here, you will ruin your reputation. So I'm going to have to fire you. Now, somebody, you say, how is that compassion? You're sucking the person, but I'm preventing the person from ruining themselves further. So as a leader, you have to be compassionate. And compassion is towards the goal, not the individual elements. So if you're just compassionate towards the individual elements, sometimes you can get derailed as a leader because you're being so compassionate towards the individual elements. You need to always look at the big picture as a leader. Your, my goal as a leader is the vision, is bringing about the vision, is bringing to pass the vision. How am I going to get there? These people trust me to take them to the vision because they are on the path with me. If I get derailed in any way because I am concerned about only one person in the in the flock that I'm leading, I'm going to get in trouble. And so that's how I practice my leadership. It's always, what is the vision? You yourself as a leader, you have to understand it. You have to be able to articulate the vision too. You have to be able to explain this vision to whoever is you are leading. And once you're able to explain the vision, you, you and the people have to come up with a what needs to be done and a how it needs to be done for us to get to the vision. And that's the summary of my leadership practice wonderful <laughs> now my next <laughs> now my next question is what is your vision for women leadership it's possible my vision is that it's possible <laughs> it's very possible that and i say that and i laugh about it but it's something i realized when i was doing the women truck drivers project 
uh, we interviewed over 30 women who had been trained to drive buses by, by the government's Ayalolo program, which is a great program, by the way. And so I kept asking them, why do you want to drive a, uh, why do you want to drive a tanker? So I saw Miss Taxi doing it. Same thing. They saw somebody being able to do it, and that's why they felt that it was possible. So up until when they saw somebody doing it, they never thought it related to them. And this is why I, I completely agree with um, equity and being able to see representation in all areas. When women begin to see other women doing things that they once thought was not possible for them, then they begin to see that it is possible. So when we see more women leaders, we know that women leadership is possible. So the first thing I want, my, my vision for women in leadership is for them to know that it is possible. And so we need to put visibility on women who are leading so that other women can see and follow and believe. Like that. Can you tell us about the um, Women Truck Driver Project that you did? Just a brief. Okay, sure. Comment. So it was a program to introduce female drivers into my business. At the time, we had over 400 professional drivers, and all of them were men. And in terms of the administration, we had maybe about 50 plus workers, and only nine of them were women. So in the whole business, we had less than 5% of the staff being women. So I was on a mission to introduce more women into the business. And then apart from that, there were some courses. I, it's a long story, but there were some courses I took where I realized that the characteristic of women, the natural characteristics of women would make them good truck drivers. Apart from the safety bit, it's also economically, they would be very good truck drivers to save money and then also keep the truck safe. And so I started looking for an avenue to get that done. Uh, in 2018, I got introduced to Miss Taxi. She's an NGO that does um, training for women to get them into male, traditionally male-dominated roles. So I met with Miss Taxi. We spoke about it. We got involved with Scania West Africa and then the West African Training, training Academy. And together, we came with a plan. It was sponsored by my company. I had to do a whole project plan to submit to my boss for him to agree to it. It, it was very interesting. It was a very interesting thing because it took us over a year to do finish doing the training for the women. Like I said, we did the interviews. We did some really nice um, backstories, and you could see where they were coming from. Uh, one of them was a truck a, 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 a truck truck mate. So she, you can see that she was already breaking boundaries where she's coming from as a female, and she's a truck truck mate. You could see things like that. And eventually, after the training, we got twelve women who are now driving heavy-duty tankers across Ghana, um, and they're doing very, very well. We've had them for since 2019 and 2022, so almost three years now. We've had very few incidents. I would say very few because there's always, you know, somebody who scratched your car, somebody who scratched this. Yeah, so, yeah, very, very amazing project with amazing women. Good project. I'm very happy to hear that. Do you uh, do you hope to increase the number in the coming? Oh yes. Years? Um. So since we did it, uh, we did it, and then there was a spotlight on it, and so now women are volunteering themselves to go and learn, which is what I said about making it possible. So we did it. We put the spotlight on it. We like did the media coverage and all of that, just so women can see other women doing things like that. And then now, in, instead of us creating a training program for them, women are volunteering to go and learn how to drive tankers, how to drive buses, how to drive earth-moving earth equipment, and then they are growing in the business. So yeah, we are looking at adding women on 
more and more as the years go by. Congratulations on Thank that. Thank you. I really, really like that. Now, my question is, what contribution do you want to make or be remembered for? Sorry, you broke apart over there. Can you come again? Well, I'm asking you, Ellie, Yes. what contribution do you want to make or be remembered for? Wow. You got to warn somebody before you ask questions like that. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. <laughs> if nothing at all, I want people to remember that there was one person who was screaming, it is possible, it is possible, it is possible. Everything we are doing nowadays, the for join into this podcast, is possible because somebody dreamt about it. And so what I want to be remembered for is getting people to believe in their dreams, getting people to get up and start researching how to bring their dreams to reality and getting people to never give up on their dreams, no matter how long it takes. Because the things you see today, they didn't come today. People took years to get to where they are. If you're just starting now, you can't be comparing yourself to somebody who started 10 years ago. Even some of the people that we see are overnight successes. They've been working underground for 10 years. It's just that you saw them blow in a matter of weeks, so you think they're overnight successes. No, the thing that made them a success, they've been working for it over years. So if I want to be remembered, I want to be remembered as a lady that kept saying, it is possible. It is possible. Dream big. Dream very big. Start wherever you are. You quite a bit. So at uh, the point where you said, start where you are. Yes, yeah, start where you are. Believe that it's possible. Keep researching and never give up. Never give up. All right. So it seemed like you've even given your advice because my last question for you is actually the advice you would give to young mm. women. So if it's um, something different you want to say, etc., then go advice to young women. There's no limit. The difference between what a woman can do and what a man can do has to do with strength. But nowadays you can outsource strength. There are robots that can do strong things. So now there's no limit. There is no glass ceiling. Don't even think about breaking the ceiling. There is no glass ceiling. Everything is in our head. The imposter syndrome is in our head. No matter how, how loud the syndrome is, work to fight it. Like try and prove your syndrome wrong. And in working hard to prove that imposter in your body wrong, you will achieve great things. There is no barrier right now. It's all in our head. Just push for it and let's go and get it. It's possible. Go for it. All right. Thank you so much, Ellie, for this. Just push for it and go for it. So we've reached a point where we are going to play the numbers okay. game. I want to find out if the audience have any questions right. for you. I'm just going to see if someone has a question. If there is no question, then we will go ahead and play the numbers game. So this is how it goes. For the numbers game, we have um, questions lined up from 1 to 100. So you just choose any five random numbers. 
could be your favorite numbers, your birthday, any day that any number that you like. And so you choose okay. those numbers, all five, and then I will mm -hmm. tell you the corresponding questions and we'll, you, we will do them as fast as you can, like a speed day. So okay. if you are ready, you can tell me your five numbers. You, that you said you between like. one and a hundred. Yes. Wow. Okay. So seven, um, 12. Okay. Um, 33. Okay. Um, four, okay. um, okay. 98. 98. So we have seven, 12, 33, four, and 98. Yes. So question seven. Oh, I already asked that. So I you have another to one. choose a new question because it says, what motivates you to work hard? So choose another uh, one. <laughs> 44. Okay. 44. Okay, right. Number 44, what's your favorite zoo animal? Huh. Peacock. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Peacock. Okay. Okay, 12. What makes you love what makes the, me most? Love the most? sarcasm. <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> 33. How would your friends describe you? Crazy. Yes. Oh, crazy. Wow. That's my you are my yeah, you are yes. my partner. Yes, crazy and dramatic. <laughs> crazy and dramatic, yeah. Okay. Number forty four. What is your favorite number four actually? What's your favorite quote? My favorite quote. Hmm. Yes. <laughs> The truth is an offense, but it's not a sin, Bob Marley. Okay, wonderful. Number 98, who knows you best? Ah. Ooh. 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 Who knows me best? My therapist oh okay all right okay so ellie this is where we end today's okay. session do you have any last words you want to say as we come to the end of our podcast this was really cool this was a really cool podcast it was hard hitting mm -hmm. it was fun the questions were challenging and <laughs> there was enough time to answer the questions. Also, I love the last and the, the game at the last end was really fantastic. So yeah, thank you so much for this opportunity to just chat with you and get these things out. It's been like a therapy session for me. So thank you. Uh, okay, thank you very much, Elinam, for coming for today's session. I've thoroughly enjoyed your conversation and all the nuggets that you shared here for me. You want people to believe in their dreams you want people to push you want people to believe that it is possible you shared with us that your professor has said that if you see the problem it's because you know yeah. the solution you in your leadership you have embraced mm. compassion and duty and one of the things that you said that i really like is that the lighthouse helps the ship to dock but the ship so needs a captain. Yeah. Congratulations on all that you have done. I'm delighted that I could do this with you. And thank you for your openness here. This is me, Annette of Coffee and Stars and Arab Africa Coaching. And thank you all. Live a beautiful life. Bye. Bye.